Those belief systems, those programs that were kind of downloaded in our brains as we were growing up, uh, color the lens through which we look at life. And that's the whole thing behind epigenetics. The, D the DNA is just a blueprint. And then the information that we're getting from our environment, whether it's chemical information through our food or toxins in the environment, or, you know, perceptual information. Um, if we have some sort of belief that we need this job to survive and feel safe, and our boss is mad at us, we're gonna be looking out at our boss as if it's a tiger because he's threatening our safety if we lose our job. Welcome to the Sustain Podcast, where we discuss all things that exist at the intersection of design and sustainability. Are you intimidated by the zero and zero waste, but you wanna live more sustainably? Are you inspired by elevated timeless design? Do you prioritize progress over perfection? Then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Jacqueline Tracy, the founder of Sustain, a home-focused, sustainable marketplace on a mission to build a more circular future, imperfectly, but collectively. Gores. Kelly is the writer, director, and producer of the documentary Heal, which I highly, ever, I highly, highly recommend everybody go and watch. It has profoundly affected my life, and she has just been such an inspiration to me for years. I've been following this woman for years, um, and it is, you know, uh, she just she talks deeply about the mind-body connection. Uh, we talk about everything from, you know, how to heal trauma to, you know, how to, you know, start with awareness to get to this level of surrender and acceptance. And I just I can't wait for you to listen to this, this episode, because she just is so knowledgeable about the mind-body connection, which I just, I still, I know that there's a lot of, a lot of people, you know, in the wellness space today, I know people are talking about this, but I just, I, I, I don't think that anyone is addressing it in the way that, that Kelly is from this, this holistic manner where she is giving us leaders and tools and just so many different options because nobody's healing journey is going to be the same. Nobody has the same exact trauma. Nobody has the same personal experiences that they're bringing to the table. So her exposure to these various healing methods is, has been so impactful in my own life. And, and I'm, I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this episode today because it was, it was, it's an inspiring one. That's, I'll just leave it at that. It is a, inspiring episode. So um, thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy. Kelly Gores is the writer, director, and producer of the 2017 award-winning documentary Heal. To continue the conversation around healing consciousness and personal transformation, she founded and hosts the Heal podcast. She is a mother, a seeker, a meditator, and loves to read, write, play sports, travel, and spend time in nature, which sounds exactly like me too, minus the mother. Uh, so I am so excited to welcome you to the podcast today, Kelly. Um, I, you have been such an influence in my life. It was really fun researching this podcast, actually, because I... I like dove back into the film Heal that I watched, you know, sometime in like 2018, I'm guessing. And I just realized like how many people you've introduced me to and how big of an impact that film like made on me, like things that I didn't even remember were in the film, but things that I think about all the time. So I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, okay. So before we dive in, cause I just have so many questions for you. Um, do you want to just introduce a little bit about your story, how you got into this, 
you know, studying and sharing, you know, the, the healing journey and, and the mind body connection and, and all of that, like what, what got you started and, and just a little bit about your journey. Yeah. You know, it's a question that I'm often asked and I wish, wish, wish (laughs) there was a short, succinct answer, but it's kind of been a lifelong journey. Um, I would say, you know, I was raised Catholic, so I'm a recovering Catholic and, um, you know, early on I, I, I had a sense, I was like, okay, I, I, I loved the history of Jesus as a, as a human, you know, um, which I believe he was, I believe he was like a human and a mystic mm-hmm. and very connected, um, to spirit. And, uh, but then I was like, but there's all these other religions and cultures, like who's the right one, you know? And so very early on, I was curious and, and I had this sense that, you know, different religions were all basically principally the same at the core, um, universally the same, but just dressed up in different cultural clothing. So I decided to like not con- not get confirmed as a Catholic. And I was like, I want to explore all religions before I commit to one, you know, it was just, it was probably me just trying to get out of like CCD or something, but I thought I was so wise at 12 that, years old. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's like a 12. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's bold. I was not thinking that deeply at 12, but <laughs> that's amazing. I'm pretty sure my mom was like, honey, you just really wanted to get out of the commitment. That's <laughs> pretty smart. Um, but, but it's true. So then I went through a period of like <clears throat> maybe questioning religion altogether and just like really, you know, cause and effect and Newtonian physics and um, – and just, you know, I don't know if it's agnostic, atheist, whatever it was in high school, I just felt like, you know, it's one life, cause and effect, there's no, you know, rhyme or reason, I don't even know if there's destiny, it was just like, it was very scientific based, you know, from my understanding. Then I went to Berkeley, my first two years, and it was the first, I had such a tight-knit community growing up, it's the first time I went away to school, and I just didn't find my community right away, not to, you know, blame other people, because there was wonderful girls in my sorority and everything. I just, something was missing. I felt like a sailboat without a rudder or something or keel, whatever that's called. Um, And I was kind of depressed for the first time and not aware of it. It came out more as like, kind of like anger and discomfort and um, and partying and all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. so, and I blamed the weather, you know, I was used to sunny Southern California and then Mm -hmm. it was very like socked in foggy, cold, rainy East Bay. Um, Anyways, I took, I came home the summer after my sophomore year, decided I want to transfer back down to Southern California. Most of my friends were there. Uh, I was going to get back into acting. After two years of exploring other subjects, I was just like, I just want to get back into acting. And so I transferred to UCLA, but I had some time off in between. So I decided to travel to Australia with my brother for his senior project. And on the way home, this guy that I met there gave me the book Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. So I'm like, 19 years old, feeling like a ship at sea without a rudder. And I read that book and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is it. Like it just resonated so deeply. I was like, so that kind of reconnected me to my spirituality and realizing like, you know, we can create heaven or hell on earth, depending on whether we come from love or we come from fear. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and then all of her female um, personal journey in there too, like was like really helpful at 19, 20 years old. So that kind of set me back on my like spiritual seeking journey. Then you go through your twenties and bad boyfriends and all these things. And um, I was acting and in my late twenties, I was realizing that I was holding on to the acting too, like with too tough of a grip Um, and a lot of rejection. So, you know, all my personal transformation was just trying to like stay empowered in this like industry that just rips you apart (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then I decided okay I need to take my attention off of acting still do it but like what are my other interests what can I what classes can I take to to loosen my grip on this thing and enrich my brain in other ways so I either was going to take the institute for integrative nutrition course or enroll at USM, which is University of Santa Monica, which is a spiritual psychology program. The IIN course, the nutrition course was less of a commitment. So I went opted for that and less expensive. Um, And even though spiritual psychology is like everything I'm passionate about, 
But when I took the nutrition, I understood like, it was just, I was like, some, I was a very smart person, but someone turned the light on to like what you put in your body actually affects, you know, I was having acid reflux mm. and the doctor wanted to give me Prilosec and I'm 28 years old running marathons. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. So then I take this nutrition course and it's like, oh, cereal is acidic. Red wine is acidic. Mm-hmm. Frozen yogurt is acidic. And that was like my evening diet after running seven miles, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so it just like turned the light bulb on, like even intelligent people can be unaware of how our behaviors and our actions affect our health, mm-hmm. you know? Oh my gosh, And with yeah. small lifestyle changes, you can overhaul your health, you know? And that, at the same time, I started meditating and then I went to this spiritual center, Agape, um, led by Michael Beckwith, who's in the film. Mm-hmm. And... And I just started then getting in and I watched the movie, The Secret. I'm giving you the whole story, but it's just so you get the upper year. Um, and I started learning about manifesting and quantum physics and law of attraction. And I just started inundating my brain with like Wayne Dyer and Eckhart Tolle and Abraham Hicks and, you know, Michael Beckwith. And I became so empowered and people just were, you know, coming up to me like, what do you eat? What do you like? How, how are you manifesting this stuff? tell me your secrets. You know, this is far before Instagram. And, um, but so I, you know, ultimately I was just, I don't really understand how it became about health, but I think at the same time, um, so many people around me were getting diagnoses, like autoimmune was kind of cropping up really strong, especially in women. Mm -hmm. Um, Cancer was on the rise, like crazy exponential. I mean, it's even more now, but you know, this was 2000, um, I want to say eight, Mm-hmm. Uh, that I started this. So it was like a, it was like a 10 year incubatory process, but, um, I, I read about epigenetics by Bruce Lipton, you know, the biology of belief. And then yeah. who's also so in the film too. This, yeah. Bruce. Yeah. He's also in the film. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so I just had this vision, like I'm going to put all the teacher people keep coming to me, asking me these questions. I'm just going to put all my teachers in the film to empower others because these are the people, these are the brilliant minds that empowered me, like Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, Marianne Williamson, Michael Beckwith. And it took me like, you know, eight years to get ready. I was visioning for eight years. And then the last straw that broke the camel's back or got me ready was um, Anita Morjani's story. And we can go into that if you want, but essentially she's the poster child of heel. She was riddled with cancer on her deathbed. Mm-hmm. No woman in the world would know that she could recover from that. Like she was in a coma, half dead. And um, she had a near death experience and it was so profound. And she just had this awareness that like everything, every decision she made in her life had come from fear. And that's how the cancer had developed. Mm. And then, you know, so much more of this NED, but she came back into her body with this new shift in consciousness. And within three weeks, there was no cancer left in her body. And she walked out of the hospital and she's been speaking ever since. And that to me, it was like, if her body was that far gone with lemon sized tumors poking out of her skin from her neck to her, you know, waist or, you know, uh, hips, like, and that could heal as quickly as three weeks, just with a shift in consciousness, like so much more is possible when it comes to healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much has to do with our mind, emotions, and subconscious beliefs. So that really excited me. And I was like, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's so powerful. And it is, especially in uh, American culture, like there's, there's still, it's like when doctors go to med school, you don't, there's not like a spiritual, you know, side to the study. There's not even a nutritional side to the study. And so it is, I, yeah, there's just so much, there's so much power there. And yeah, that's, I love, I love you sharing about the return to love because that book, I, I think about that all the time. Even when I'm just walking sometimes, I'm like, I'll like see a path and I'm like, okay, like if I'm like, I don't know, having anxiety about something or I feel a little bit of fear like creeping in, I think about that just like the love versus fear. Like if you just choose love, you know, and like let go because that like what you're talking about with acting too i'm like oh my gosh i feel like all of my 20s i just like tried to you know force like everything that was happening in my life uh even my into my early 30s yeah so yeah there's so much power there that's beautiful um 
Okay, so there's like other there's a couple of things that I just want to like double click on because I what what you're saying is like how did you know you're like not sure how you know vent well it sounds like Anita really was like the eventual like oh my gosh the power of healing, um, but I I think it's also like a, it's really amazing that um, you dove into it in such a holistic way because I I think that that's really the important part in this study and like the exposure to all of these different healers, like there's, there's not one path for any one human. And, and so I, I just like I've always love that about your approach. It's like, let's just expose ourselves to all of these different things and change our awareness. And that's where the magic happens. So, um, yeah. And ultimately it's, there's no one size fits all. It's so custom. There's so many factors that come into it. Like there's a, million different types of cancer and there's a million different causes and it's you know obviously there's a million different things that led to the fact that you are sitting here right now and having this conversation so it's just there's no one size fits all you can't just copy someone out how someone else healed i'm just using cancer because it's so common um how someone else healed ovarian cancer you could you could do you know a lot of the same template but it's going to be different for you and the ultimate real you know message of empowerment is like you hold the keys and the secrets to your our bodies are so intelligent and giving us feedback all the time we have this connection to the divine or our higher self or soul and this inner you know gps system and you can look externally for solutions and answers and treatments and paths but ultimately like your body's gonna tell be the guide that's gonna put you down the right road and and if if we get quiet enough and we practice enough connecting to ourselves then we're gonna have the information that leads us down the right path for our own healing like mm -hmm. we have the answers inside Sustain is raising a community investment round and you're invited to participate. If you love Sustain, believe in our mission, and want to become a co-owner of our rapidly growing company, visit wefunder.com slash sustain. Investments start at just $100. Okay, so just kind of talking about the documentary Heal, because I know a lot of people have watched it, and if you haven't watched it, absolutely check it out. Which, where can you watch it, Heal? The heel documentary today it's on it's on amazon prime okay. right now so or you know amazon or itunes you can order or it, itunes you can buy okay. it or rent it and then if you have prime it's free obviously. yeah yeah so i highly recommend everybody watch it definitely check it out because there's so just so much information um but so something one one of the things that um just pulling this out of the film that bruce lipton uh said that this is when i was kind of refreshing on like the film and and everything uh I, this is the one that I was like, wow, I've just, I've thought about this for years and years and years now, but the, about how he was talking about how the human body is, is like still running from this tiger all, all the time. And, and it's because instead of like the fight or flight of actual like danger in terms of like violence and like fight or flight in, in that capacity versus like, oh, your manager is up upset that you didn't get this deadline and you need you know it's it's like a totally different world that we're living in today and so I just wanted to hear your kind of perspective on on like that fight or flight response and any tips that you have to helping regulate that so that we're not feeling like we're still running from a tiger back in the day we were in a different survival you know we were literally like surviving against the elements in nature, you know, mm -hmm. and hunting and gathering. We didn't have convenient suit. There was no convenience back in, you know, caveman days and um, even like nomad days. And so then we started agriculture, then we started Whole Foods. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And we can just, like very few people in the modern world, uh, well, sadly, too many people in the modern world are going hungry. But um, so, so instead, uh, so now we have this different perceived life threatening you know these these threats these stressors that used to be a tiger and now it's like you said your spouse that's you know unhappy with you or 
your boss or the person that's driving too slow on the freeway. Mm -hmm. And so, and it all has a matter like to do with the constructs and the belief systems that we have in our brain. You know, a lot of them, we have these like innate um, belief systems that I am not enough. I am not Mm -hmm. worthy. Uh, So many of us have a version of that. Um, Some of us grew up in an abusive environment and I am not safe or an environment raised by some sort of addiction, which again, I am not safe because it's just so chaotic and um, so, you know, extreme ups and downs. And so that, that, those belief systems, those programs that were kind of downloaded in our brains as we were growing up, uh, color the lens through which we look at life. And that's the whole thing behind epigenetics. The The DNA is just a blueprint and then the information that we're getting from our environment, whether it's chemical information through our food or toxins in the environment, or, you know, perceptual information. Um, If we have some sort of belief that we need this job to survive and feel safe, and our boss is mad at us, we're gonna be looking out at our boss as if it's a tiger because he's threatening our safety if we lose our job. Mm -hmm. So, and that's based on our belief systems that, you know, and which makes us clinch and hold on to things like mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier. <laughs> and and <laughs> that and so, that belief system is like deep woven into our body chemistry too, right? It's like you're holding it some of that, especially past past trauma, like in your body first. And it's like communicating to to your brain. Um, totally. It's 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 and and that's the fight or flight system that's in our sympathetic nervous system. So our belief systems are directly tied to our nervous systems Mm -hmm. and it's so ingrained that you know we have it's just different iterations of the tiger as you get older so it could be your 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 teacher as a student or your parent or the abuser you know and then it becomes as we get older if you don't heal that wound if you don't heal that trauma and if you don't heal that that negative and disempowering belief system you're just going to be encountering tigers your whole life and and, Mm -hmm. and actually is like a magnetic resonance resonance that you're going to continue because it's all energy. You're going to continue to attract versions of tigers until you clean your lens and heal those disempowering belief systems. So, and the most fascinating part of that, and Bruce Lipton talks about it in the film, is these are subconscious belief systems. So we aren't even aware that we have these programs in us running the show. And most of these programs were downloaded when we were from the age of zero to seven, and you know, there were download energetic programs from our environment. If we didn't feel safe, we're just downloading that into our brains and our nervous system. Mm-hmm. So it's in our body. That's why somatic healing is so important as we, you know, talk therapy is great, but then there's got to get deeper into the somatic, um, to the like nervous system healing because it's so ingrained in, in our patterning. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the tools, you know, there's so many tools, but you've got to start to become aware of the belief systems running the show there's different therapies that can mirror that back to us. Um, and then, you know, kind of shifting. There's so many. There's yeah, so many I know. It's like a hard yeah. question because even <laughs> even if I, as I asked that, I was like, wait, I just, I'm like thinking of like 30 just right now. You know, like it's, there There are a lot. Yeah. But it is, I, I like I the way you just structured it of um, like the awareness comes first. It's almost like that's like the first step of like, like with, I know you talk a lot about meditation and it's like first is even becoming aware of like what is happening because you have all these voices and if you don't know how to control them or what, what I, I don't even like using the word control, but if you don't know how to be like, you know, let's just let that, let that one go pass by. Um, like, I feel like that's the whole, it's like awareness is like the first state and, and talk therapy can help with that a little bit, but, and then there's the more like EFT from the film like the deeper healing methods like that. Totally. Yeah. EFT and um, EMDR. EMDR. There's so many therapies, I would say for me, and I don't know how to address this with atheists because to me, all healing ultimately is spiritual healing. Mm -hmm. So even today, I had a crazy stressful day where I learned new information about a certain you know, circumstance in my life. And it caused me like a tremendous more stress than I've felt in a very long time. Mm. And then there's, you know, then I have a four-year-old daughter who's super connected to me. (laughs) So like she's out picturing and tantrums and stuff. And so like, I'm like, 
sitting here preaching, you know, it's just so crazy how like one thing can sweep you down the river of stress. Mm-hmm. And I know other people have higher levels of anxiety and have to deal with this kind of emotion that I'm feeling right now um, every day, you know, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm blessed, but like when something like this rips you, it's just, it's healing even to have this conversation. Cause I was like, Oh shit, I am coming from fear. Like, mm-hmm. and take the breath for me, it's so important to have some spirituality and it's not religious to me. It's like a deep understanding because I've done such deep meditation. I've done such deep healing work, even plant medicine that just connects you to whether it's, you know, psilocybin or ayahuasca, it just connects you to nature and just this oneness feeling that, um, you know, facilitated in the right and responsible way in the right thing. Of course, there's a lot of bad actors out there, mm-hmm. but feeling that connection or just being in nature can feet in the sand feet, you know, being in the forest earth, like that reconnection to nature, that oneness feeling meditating where you're just connecting to spirit and you have these like moments of just expansion. So like, I just think that for anxiety and stress and fear and these subconscious beliefs, I mean, you really can, um, you know, just that, belief that there's a divine intelligent plan mm-hmm. and play here yeah our source the the thing that keeps the universe going that keeps the earth you know just regenerating whether it's through destruction and regeneration like the earth is it's it's so intelligent nature is so intelligent mm-hmm. and we you know regardless of what happens to us like the earth is going to be fine like it's going to regenerate itself it might have to remove us from the planet mm-hmm. to yeah. do so <laughs> like such intelligence from of nature you mm-hmm. know and we're part of that we're part of nature and we've removed ourselves from nature which is why there's so much dis-ease um so to me my highest recommendation is to find some spiritual practice where you can really feel that there's a a, a divine you know plan at play here that a loving plan, you know, we might have to go through the fire, but that's just so that we can handle the next phase of our expression. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we can have moments of woe is me, but then to really just go, okay, what is this? It's not happening to me. This is happening for me. Mm-hmm. And to come back to that love and trust and surrender and acceptance. And then I go, okay, show me the way, you know, I mean, we just need that spiritual yeah. connection to do that. And I, I would say that's the highest practice because it really is about acceptance and surrender and trust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so beautiful. That's, I shared with you. Um, and I'm really open with this community about how I, I went through, I went through a very challenging divorce for, especially for how short it was. And, and I mean, as you're talking, there's so many things that come up. Like I couldn't have red wine during the divorce because I was so stressed. My gut was all messed up. And so acid would just make me like so ill, you know, like there were just all these things that were just totally and completely stress related happening to my body. I had eczema on my face. I was, it was just, I, I ended up like, you know, my hip went like sideways, you know, during a, it was, yeah, I was just like not in tune with my body. And so I, I got a lot deeper into meditation at that time and, and started seeing people like mediums and like, I just, I was like testing everything. And I think, I think it was one of like the Reiki, Reiki, I think it's, I'm like always like, how do you say it? Reiki healer. Um, the Reiki healer, I saw that she was just like, you know, you can, you can ask, uh, like the universe or God or whatever you want to call it, like for help. Right. And she, and that reminder was like, the, and that was then, then like the rest of the theme of even just getting through the divorce was like surrender and acceptance and, and asking for help and, and knowing that it was going to be okay. And that it was temporary and all these things. And I don't know, that just was like, it's still, so now when I like do Palo Santo sessions and stuff, I say exactly what you just said, where it's like, just lead me down the right path. I'm like, I just am like trust, trusting now, you know? And and it, it really makes you feel like I, it, even at friends who like, you know, saw me go through all that, it's like, I like t- people tell me all the time that I'm just like this lighter person, you know, because once you do get there to the trust and surrender and acceptance stage, it's like you, 
this like weight is just like lifted off your shoulders because then you can just relax and try to flow with life and the path and and like you know follow what your gut and your body and all those things are are telling you you know so okay so then what is just switching topics a little bit what is um because I think meditation even is such a just like on the awareness side of it what is um with meditation what I struggle with is like I'll do sometimes I'll do guided meditation sometimes I'll do walking meditations I'm like kind of all over the place but there's there are these times when I'm just like I don't want to meditate you know like there's just like this those moments where I'm just I just don't want to commit to it or or the 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 practice that I'm practicing has just gotten too routiney and I'm like how do we get deeper or I don't know there's always like these little bumps I hit with meditation so I wanted to hear like do you have any any tips for if somebody's even getting started with meditation all the way to how do you really continue the practice great great questions and I'm glad I have an answer (laughs) (laughs) I would say I first learned meditation from a transcendental meditation teacher. Um, mm-hmm. His name is Light Watkins, and he still teaches today, and he's wonderful. So anyone wanting to explore that, go to lightwatkins.com. Um, but what was helpful about that and what he teaches is that when you learn, I think it was like a four-day, it was like a traditional Vedic meditation. So what you do is you like donate or offer, you make an offering you know, to the guru, uh, I forgot his name, Maharishi or something. Um, and you bring like fruit and a flower and then you give your teacher a week salary. And I was making a lot of money at the time. I was like, a week salary. That's like, that's a lot of money. Um, but it's so worth it. And I, I'm just of the mindset that money is energy. So I often, Mm -hmm. when I have a knowing, I just like output. Um, and so did that it's four mornings and my point is he teaches you in a way that just layers in this information and then you practice with a small group or just him and four days in a row you practice but you're learning meaning and understanding of why you're doing it how it works in the ancient sense and in the modern sense and when you have meaning behind what you're doing um it's just so much more lasting, you know, mm-hmm. and then you commit to a practice of TM is actually 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. That's really hard for like a busy modern person with mm-hmm. starting a company. Yeah. Like you don't have kids, but you're birthing a company. Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and, but, but I would recommend that. And, you know, a lot of people say my mind, I can't quiet my mind. Meditation is not for me. And, what you learn during these courses is that the point is not to quiet the mind Mm because the mind will not quiet. It is Mm -hmm. a chatterbox. The point is to get into a state where you are with yourself. How much can you be with yourself and sit with yourself? And, and then, and then there's a deeper level of attachment. So like we'll get hooked by our thoughts and the more you practice, it's a never ending practice, you know, until we leave our bodies and, the, the whole point is practice. There's no, you're never going to quiet your mind fully. And so, you, you know, you'll, you'll see that these thoughts are just floating by like clouds and then you'll get hooked. And then all of a sudden you'll realize, oh my God, for the last six minutes, I've been thinking about, you know, that email that I should have responded differently or shit, I forgot. It's been a week. Oh my gosh. Or what am I, you know, I'm getting kind of hungry. What did I, what did I, grocery store, you know what I mean? It's just like stream. And then you're like, shit. And then you come back into your mantra and then you come back and it's just a practice. And that as long as you're not beating yourself up for doing it wrong or judging your meditation, successful meditation, you know, in 20 minutes. And so it's normal. I mean, you could be going for the first year without any profound experiences, but if you keep practicing, it is, you'll notice just in your life, how much more space you have to deal with shit that comes at you. And I would liken it to, I mean, Marianne Williamson says it perfectly in the film. She's like, you know, she, I I don't want to impersonate her, but (laughs) she's like, we we come home and we shower the gunk off our, our physical bodies. And meditation is like a shower for the mental body. You know, Mm. it's like, we got to release all the junk from the day that we, you know, and that's, we get far more junk in our mental body um, and our minds. And especially now with social media and and 24 hour news, 
um, than we accumulate on our bodies. So it's, it's just mental hygiene at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then I will say, I just, I, I love Joe Dispenza. They're doing a lot of research on his, like scientific research on his meditations right now. And it's so awesome and promising. And I just went to an advanced week long retreat um, in Cancun with him. And, and then like literally a couple weeks ago, this paper is getting published in October that shows that advanced meditators doing his meditations for a week are basically immune against COVID. Like they put SARS-CoV-2 in, in the blood and it cannot penetrate and proliferate um, hmm. because there's such an immune response because the markers in your blood for vitality and robust immunity, like all go up, you know, wow. IgA, you know, which is our biggest defense against flus and viruses, like um, goes up. So it's pretty phenomenal just what you can do with having a healthy mental state, yeah. having space and breath and, um, that's removing stress. I mean, really. Yeah, that's it's such a good point because I think that there are a lot of people out there who are getting more in tune with nutrition, at least you know, and and being like, okay, yeah, diet matters. You know, it's not like like I feel like there was a time in the U.S. where people just weren't very aware that processed food is not real food; it's poison. And so I think people are are more in tune with that. But it's I don't hear people talking about how that like like those like negative thoughts and and like stress you know it, it is toxins it's actual toxins in your body and yeah. and that it does affect your i mean i know the heal documentary talks all about it but i'm not like i think that that needs to become more mainstream because it really is such an important point to yeah and you know regardless of our like Diet is a big part, but there's so many just toxins, you know, in our environment now. We live in a toxic soup and our uh, off-gassing of our furniture and our carpets and our walls. Oh, my gosh, and like, yeah. It's just stuff that's invisible that we're not even aware of. I mean, you're aware of it because of sustain. But, um, you know, so if we are bombarding ourselves with poor diet, you know, invisible toxins, and then, you know, pouring stress onto that, like... If, if we can remove the stress aspect, which we can do consciously with a practice like meditation and with connecting with nature re regularly um, and other things like cranial sacral and breath work, um, you know, we can at least give our body the best chance to have defenses against these viruses. But when we're adding stress to like this already toxic soup, we're, 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 we're screwed, mm -hmm. you know? So we want to our bodies are intelligent to handle it and we will evolve eventually to like, you know, have defenses against this toxic soup. We will, but enough of us have to survive. And the only way we survive is giving our bodies the best chance to defend and remove and eliminate um, and, and survive in the face of all these toxins. And that is by removing stress and enhancing the systems in our body that kind of give us the best defense, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's my, um, I have, uh, I had an executive, well, still, I mean, now she's like just a really good friend, but an, an, an executive life coach and her name's Reagan Walsh. And she would always say like, it's just time to take the head trash out. You know, like, it's just like, let's just, let's remove that. Cause it, you're right. It's like, that's a really good way of saying it is the to like toxic soup. It's, it's, there's just so many other toxins in the environment, all these places. And so we need to like, you know, that's the thing we can actually control and like yeah. if, you know you commit to the practice like you're saying so and, and the last thing that Joe Dispenza said real quick because I think it's pertinent is he was like there's no bad meditations because we were meditating for five hours a day with different different guided meditations that he would do for different reasons and then he'd lecture so again layering on the meaning because if we understand and we apply meaning to something which is exactly how the placebo effect works um, then the practice is deeper and it's actually the effects on our body are, are, are deeper and more profound because we have a meaning that we're applying and an expectation that we're tying to this practice. Um, What's an example of is, that, of that, like what you're saying about meaning? What would be like a, is it like a meaning for you personally of why you're doing it or? A, a simple example is, well, there's two examples I got. I think um, Yale or Harvard did a study about housekeepers like cleaning ladies. Um, and so, and they did this 
this experiment where they told one group of cleaning ladies that had been in the business for 30, 40 years that, you know, X amount of cleaning per day, let's call it two hours of cleaning per day burned 200 calories. So an eight hour cleaning day or a seven hour cleaning day, and you're going to, you should lose this much weight over the month because you're burning this many calories and, and, and vacuuming and, um, and making the bed and laundry are actually good for your health. They're actually like fitness. It's almost equal to doing an hour at the gym or whatever. So they applied meaning to their activity. Mm. The control group, they didn't know. They were just like, I'm cleaning, probably hate my job. Like mm-hmm. but there, there's normal mental channel. There was no meaning to what they were doing. It was just like they were getting through their day. The group that understood the physical activity of their housekeeping activities, um, they lost like 30% more weight. They're all, they're like vital signs, like improve, they like lower. So it was a wild experiment and they, they've done this in so many different iterations, but they had a new meaning they assigned to it and their bodies responded because they had a new, that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's incredible. Like the antidepressant experiment where they give, you know, one group, a sugar pill, one group, they do nothing. And then another group, they give the actual drug and, and the, the, the scientists don't know which group is which, and the people don't know which group they're in. So it's double blind. And they noticed that in the placebo group, in the sugar pill group, 50 to 75% of the people taking thought and believed they were taking a pill that would improve their mood had an improvement in the mood mm-hmm. because they put meaning to that sugar pill and understood that this is what, the, you know, it's going to take five to seven days, but in five to seven days, your, your, your mood is going to improve. And 50 to 75% of the people taking the sugar pill mood improved. Wow. And because they assigned meaning to this pill and an expectation oh and what happened, it wasn't in their head, their bot, their brains, which is our greatest, our nervous system is our greatest pharmacy actually released the chemicals, the endorphins or whatever it is, the, the, the you know, neurochemicals that um, improve their mood. Wow. So it wasn't in their mind. It was an actual move improvement by biochemistry released in their brain because they assigned a meaning and an expectation to that innate object. Wow. That's amazing. That's, uh, that's really cool because in the, in the film when the, um, I can't remember his name, but he got in a really bad bike accident and... That was Joe Spencer, yeah. Oh, it was. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when he was talking about how he reconstructed his own spine through the mind, I love the example you just shared because when I think about, like, reconstructing a spine with your own mind, it's, like, almost overwhelming. You know, you're like, whoa, (laughs) that's, like, wild, I mean, and amazing. And also, you have such a drive to commit to that because uh, you're, I mean, he was was nervous he was going to be in a wheelchair wheelchair for the rest of his life yeah. um so there's so there's that but that I, I love that it's like that's I, I could assign meaning to the dishes and maybe that, like <laughs> my dishes won't ever stack up <laughs> there's like so many yeah. things that I can start to just like implement yeah. this in different ways in my life um yeah I love that that's what but he I mean. but so like if he so when he's teaching us about meditation or you learn meditation from someone who can actually tell you what's going on energetically, physiologically, biochemically in your body with meditation, there's more meaning. So you have more desire and stick-to-itiveness to practice. Mm-hmm. And Joe Dispenza, um, he had more meaning around rebuilding his spine. It seems overwhelming to us, even though the process was still overwhelming. He spent, you know, six weeks like practicing in his head until he got it right. But he was a chiropractor. So he had a lot more meaning and understanding of the spine and what mm-hmm. it looks like and how it works. Mm-hmm. So he had that ability and the, the background to be able to do that. Um, but all of that to say too, Joe told us that cause we were doing it five hours a day and different, you know, an hour long and then we take a break and learn another lecture and do another hour. So it was like three different hour to hour and a half, uh, meditations. And he was like, there's no, which is hard to sit there for an hour, three times a day or an hour and a half. Right. Even though he's guiding us through, it's still like, we, we we're not used to sitting that long. And, um, he said, there's no bad meditations. You just practicing and getting your, sitting your butt in the seat and trying your best to come back onto target. Even if you're like 
it's bringing up emotion and you're getting frustrated or you're getting angry with me or you getting hungry or whatever. Just like that discipline. Cause we're so convenience oriented of mm-hmm. practicing and staying in, the, in the, the chair is, is like massive. And what I found in a lot of them is it's, it was like an initiation. Like it was a hard work and it was kind of brutal for the hour and 15 minutes. And then the last 15 minutes, it's like, wow. like, profound mystical experiences, you know? So there is, that's just a real lesson in life and metaphor. It's like a lot of people give up right before their breakthrough, you know? Mm. And you see on actors all the time, it's like they packed up their car, they were driving back to mom's house in Virginia, and then they got the call as they're driving out of California that they booked that role that changed their life. You know what I mean? So mm. it's just like, there's no bad meditation. Get your butt in the seat and and keep just being with yourself and breathing and 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 eventually profound things will happen. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Okay, so what, this is a question that I do ask everybody. Um, I think it's such a, like it's still just something that a lot of, I mean, especially our community, but but just uh, people in general um, are always working on like this progress over perfection because that's what we are like, you know, our overall thinking at sustain is like with with sustainability. It's it's not like zero. The zero and zero waste is so intimidating and we want we want it to just be more welcoming and for people to, if, if like, you know, we get millions of people to focus on progress with sustainability, then we can make a real impact at a collective level. And, uh, and so progress over perfection, of course, like can fit in every different way, like I, of life, like every different window. So, so wanted to just hear like, how do you incorporate? Cause I, I just, because I've been following you for so long, like I know, I know that you live it. Um, but how do you, how would you say you kind of incorporate that thinking uh, into either your practice or your, you know, your business or your own personal growth. Yeah. I'm doing it a lot right now with, I think my biggest teacher is my four year old. <laughs> Cause I like, you can't be perfect. You're learning because this is my first rodeo, um, as well. And you can, I can read all the conscious books and listen to the podcasts and, and do my best. And I'm, I'm, I've learned some massive things like the, you know, art of repair, which none of our parents, like, I don't think, I mean, some of you had very conscious parents, but like, you know, there was a, repair not too many of us. Yeah. We're like unpacking and repairing ourselves now. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, you know, just doing our best, understanding our humanity and then modeling that for our child and going, okay, mom, just, you know, I'm sorry if I scared you, if I just snapped, um, I'm not, I didn't sleep enough or I'm not eating or I'm a little stressed out and I'm not managing well, you know, I didn't mean to do that. Like just, it's made me so much more conscious and aware, um, and given me a outlet from beating myself up because I used to be a perfectionist. I'm I'm still like an active recovering perfectionist and Mm -hmm. people pleaser and all the things that most of us are. Um, and, and just like in that practice of progress versus perfection, that's what we need in the world. I mean, we're in cancel culture. Nobody can make a mistake. Let's just crucify them. And I don't know if it's just like collective immaturity and everybody wants to punish others so that they can feel better about their mistakes. I don't know what it is, but it's just, it's, it's really gnarly out there right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's like progress versus per- versus perfectionism is we just need to like loosen our grip, mm-hmm. do the best we can. And when we make a mistake, you know, take responsibility for it. And the more people that can like forgive their own humanity the, and take responsibility for their mistakes, like the more just humanity can start to forgive each other. I just like, it's like so profoundly important right now, mm-hmm. you know? And so the ironic thing is when you first, when we first met, you know, about sustain and a partnership, like I was drinking <laughs> like a Fiji mm-hmm. like, <laughs> horrific water because it was at my other house and that was what was soft and I was thirsty. And so I just grabbed what was in the fridge and like, we have this massive family and I've done my best, like 
you know, we started composting. I've been asking people like trying to wrap the heads around our staff and our big, you know, extended family, like about composting. And it's like, took me three years to implement, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like turning a tanker around in this kind of world that I live in. Um, And I've gotten us away from single use plastic, but then I'm in this like second home and (laughs) there's this Fiji and I just, I'm going to drink the water, you know, it's already (laughs) hot, you know, but again, it's, I feel it's, it's futile to feel the guilt. It's just like, okay, I need to do better. Like we need to stop supporting single use plastic, like period, end of story. And people have to get on board. And it's just so tough when you're dealing with other people that just aren't aware or just don't care because they aren't aware. They Mm -hmm. aren't aware of the impact. Yeah. But if I, if I cared or beat myself up or beat them up, it would just be war all the time and be, you know, and how can you, and how can you even commit to it? And that, I mean, it's like, if you're, it's, I think there's two paths with people who are trying to be more perfectionists, um, especially when it comes to sustainability. And it's one, one, it's almost like the fear versus love, in my opinion. Like it's, it's like, okay, it's all or nothing. This is like, and then you're like beating yourself up and you're feeling guilty when you make a mistake or you can just choose progress because also life is hard. And like, so I especially tell this to people when there's like transitions. I'm like, if, if I, when I'm going through a transition, I'm, I'm buying like disposable coffee cups because like I cannot remember to bring my disposable coffee. Like there's just like so many times in life when you're just like, there's no way. <laughs> like I just can't. Like we, and we live in such a disposable culture and it's what we grew up in. And with over, like you, what you're talking about with meditation too, I think it's really cool for you to, to talk about like there's no bad meditation. Like even that is like committing to progress and not perfection because that's all, that's another thing that stands in the way with meditation too. It's like people are like, oh, I can't do it. I just can't quite my mind. So like all or nothing, you know? And it's like, I mean, when I'm, when I don't feel like when I was telling you about the med, when I have these moments of like, I can't listen to another guided meditation, like I'll just be like, I'm just going to go on a walk and like notice things on the walk. You know, like it's, yeah. and cause I'm like, that's better than nothing. Like this is better than nothing. That's just meditative. Like, yeah. 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 So. Focusing beauty in nature is meditative. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's like why I moved to Colorado too. Cause hiking and nature, like what you're talking about, immersing yourself in that is, is to me the one way to reset my nervous system personally. I think everybody's different yeah. with it, but for me, it's like totally. just walking in nature. Um, Okay, that's so beautiful. So, and I'm so proud of you for composting. And because I know it's not easy. It's like I've have lots of friends who tell me it take it took them, you know, numerous years before they were were able to get on board with the process. But it is it's like one of the number one tips that I tell people because um, it can really reduce like methane emissions in landfills, which people don't really understand. A lot of people are just like, oh, I just throw the food away and then it breaks down the landfill. And I'm like, it doesn't actually break down in the landfill because it's wrapped in plastic. So it's just releasing methane emissions, which are really bad yeah. for the planet. Um, so it's such like, yeah, that's a big food, step. Not being landfills, exactly, no. landfills. And I wasn't aware of that until I was aware of it. And then it's like, and, and it's not just like a removal of something that is bad, um, by, you know, throwing rotten food, which we, you know, we restaurants imagine the amount of just like food scraps that we're throwing away, um, organic matter. But then you not only not put those in the landfill, but then you put them in a composter and you're making, you know, biodiverse soil Mm -hmm. and like nutrient, nutrient rich soil to then put back in the earth farm near local farm it's like it's it's a huge swing yeah it's a win-win on all all levels so um okay so I have a couple more questions one this is like just kind of a little bit yeah you answer this however there's I'm gonna ask you three questions and just dive into whatever one so do you like what leaders today do you think like everybody should be following listening to, you know, or reading, like what, what leaders in this, like really, you know, uh, in, in the theme of like healing, cause we all need to heal no matter what, like you don't have to have cancer. It's like, we all have, 
traumas. We all have, there's just, life is a wild roller coaster. <laughs> so what, yeah. what leaders today or what podcasts are you listening to or what books are you reading? Um, like what just comes to mind that you're like, I mean, I know a return to love is a big one that impacted mm-hmm. you. And that's, um, something that I just started rereading actually. Uh, but yeah, what else, what else would you say? Like, cause it is, I mean, even the mind is like what you're consuming. So it's, yeah. what, what would you recommend for people? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, books, I am like an avid reader, but I feel like I haven't had a lot of time to read. I read mostly just to prepare for my podcasts. Mm-hmm. I just read a book. I love Shay Shalina um, Ayana, who started Rising Woman on um, Instagram. But she, I just did a read on my podcast and I read her book, Becoming the One. Um, Becoming the One, oh, that's the edit journal. It's, it's about basically like, a lot of us in the Western world, like seek out relationships to complete us. We're searching for safety or security or love or validation from this outside external source called our partner. And it's really about like attachment and it's, it's about trauma healing, but it's, it's in order to be so whole within yourself that then partnership becomes two healthy whole people that can walk through life together and go through personal growth stuff together with healthy dialogue and and whatever, and aren't seeking others to, you know, heal their wounds Mm -hmm. when really it's just like, you know, when you get triggered, you're just projecting your wounds at each other. So you Mm -hmm. have to come as whole people. It's, it's how you become whole and then seek relationship from there. It's just a different conscious relationship. Mm. So that's kind of where I'm trying to, uh, get to, which I'm, which is a good, a good journey. Um, just self-love and acceptance and realizing where you've been abandoning yourself, um, to either like hold on to a relationship or whether it's career or love or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So coming back to yourself and like relating to yourself through self-love yeah. and, and total acceptance, and then you can relate to the world in a healthy way. Yeah. I like that. Um, I don't want to turn anyone off politically. Uh, <laughs> can I not hear? <laughs> no, I want to hear it now. <laughs> yeah, no, let's hear it. Let's hear it. I mean, you know, a lot of people, especially in COVID or whatever, I interviewed this gentleman on my podcast too, but, you know, there's just like such a capture of, of media and the narrative and like the people in power. And I'm not talking like some like, wild, weird conspiracy theory. Cause I think a lot of those people have gone off the handle too, and are using Instagram to like fuel fear. Mm-hmm. Um, That's for sure. but you know, I am a supporter of, you know, I love Marianne Williamson. Um, I'm a supporter of, of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Bobby Kennedy, mm-hmm. because he, for all the environmentalists out there, he was a, he was a litigating environmental lawyer. That was his job, like his whole mm-hmm. career. Um, recently and then he tells the story on joe rogan which is my you know i love joe rogan because i feel like he's um uncaptured and like unbiased and just is really bringing interesting truth tellers on his podcast um and yeah so i just feel like i'm just really excited about bobby running because and look he's human no perfect right but i I, align And he wasn't trying to be like an anti-vaxxer, but he had this like, he kept bringing in, you know, attracting all these women whose children had been injured by vaccines. And you can, you can, and this is pre-COVID, you can learn about it on Joe Rogan's podcast um, mm-hmm. with, with him if you're, if you're curious. But he's a lawyer and even his book on Fauci, like it's, it's been vetted. There's citations, like he's mm-hmm. backed up with real data, real research. Um, and so, you know, to me, I just think our system is so broken and corrupt, our political system and our, you know, just congressmen are, <laughs> and women are just so old, like yeah. nobody should be I know. making laws at eight years old or eight I years totally old. I totally agree with that. So much needs to be overhauled and the lobbying, you know, for these big corporations with 
mm-hmm. hundreds of billions of dollars that have captured these health industries and agencies and um, and, and congressmen. And mm-hmm. so I just feel like kind of our only hope to shift that kind of capture, that corruption capture and like bring transparency back into our health industry, um, which is not a health industry, it's a sick industry. And, you know, hold chemical, whether it's environmental toxins or food toxins, um, held them accountable. And, you know, Europe has such higher, you know, tougher regulations. Oh my gosh. Yeah. On chemicals. We do. Yeah. It's the, we're we're not, we're we're quickly becoming a non world superpower because of this, because it's shifted so much in a corrupt direction that, you know, just every system in our society and our bodies is sick. Yeah. You know, and we got to break that chip and it takes kind of an extreme ballsy person that is rooted in, in truth and, backs it up because he's a lawyer, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What are you saying? So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> kind of no, I want to, I'm, I want to like dive. So I actually was in, I worked in politics for a little bit. And so since then I've been pretty like, since I've gotten out of it, I've kind of stepped really, really far away from it. So I'm not as yeah. in tune with everything that's going on. So I want to research it more. Um, and I think, I mean, what, based on what you just said, it's just like, that's almost like, yeah, just like asking deeper questions and not like, just I don't know like there's there's like a breaking the yeah I just think I think you're right that the whole system is is broken especially politically but also like pharmaceutically and also food wise and there's there's a lot because that's yeah yeah like when you're and it's so refreshing to hear like an intelligent person who doesn't need to be coached doesn't need to like come at the political game playing the game he's literally just like I am like going after transparency and accountability mm-hmm. and truth. And I'm trying to bring everybody together. You know, historically he's been a Democrat, so he's running as a Democrat, but he's like calling out the DNC. And mm-hmm. the yeah. Cause there's there. bad there's on so much corruption both sides. This, you know, politi- deep, deep political system. So just anybody trying to disrupt that right now, is, I think is not only crucial, but admirable. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And with the, what you're saying about the, the Europe, like I, I still think this is not like super common knowledge that it's like there. I mean, when it comes to like clean beauty, it's like the Europe actually regulates like thirteen hundred different chemicals, and the U.S. still only regulates thirty, which is just like mind blowing to me. That's I mean, when I like dove down this rabbit hole of like all of the toxins and all the things, that's like when I was like, okay, yeah, oh no, I'm gonna create sustain. Like there needs to be because <laughs> it is. Yeah. There's just like not there's there's not enough um t- like transparency really coming back to that there's just not yeah. enough transparency and like real yeah. like you're doing it on a deeper level than a lot of other people kind of doing a similar thing yeah you know yeah so so it's, it's, yeah thank you for your work oh my gosh thank you for your work this is like i mean it's truly like healing like i mean that's it, like going back to like i've shared this with you but how our even like our just how we talk about the company it's like take care of yourself take care of the planet because you if you don't take care of yourself first and heal yourself first there's no way that you can think about trying to take care of the planet or or to even change anything like some of these political leaders or advocates are doing Uh, there's no way like you can't even take that next step to like take care of the planet if you don't first heal you know the inner the inner child so yeah, thank totally. you for your work. Yeah, and if you're not feeling good, <laughs> like if I don't sleep a night or multiple nights in a row and I'm not feeling good, I'm just like a live wire. Like I'm so much more sensitive. So for people that mm. are overwhelmed with stress, in survival mode, which too many people are these days just because of the state of the union and, and poverty cycles and everything, you know, you can't expect them to make conscious decisions about, you know, they just, they're in survival mode. And too, and we've, we've just created this, society that's you know all the structures are breaking down and everybody's in survival mode nobody is thriving and Mm -hmm. like you said unless you have the privilege to be set up so that you can have the best chance at thriving which i feel like i do and it's still a struggle (laughs) like Mm -hmm. um you can't you cannot be you don't have the capacity to be conscious about the earth yeah yeah it's true 
Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was so beautiful, like this whole conversation and inspiring. And um, and yeah, so where, where can people find you? I know you have the Heal podcast, which is on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, where else can they like follow your journey? Yeah, I'm probably the most active on Instagram. It's kind of the only place I... I'll tweet like once a year. Yeah, same. Um, same. I don't, so Instagram, I, I don't even tweet once a year, so you're doing better than me. <laughs> or X or whatever we are now. Yeah. Um, yeah. At, at Kelly Gorris on Instagram and at Heal Documentary. Um, and yeah, you can, you know, you can go to HealDocumentary.com and you can order the book and find the podcast, order the movie and see what else is going on. If you feel so inclined, yeah, but yeah, yeah, and then and then uh, you will be also introduced to so many different healers and leaders and people that like when I was telling you about just revisiting everything, I'm like, wow, you introduced me to so many amazing healers that now I listen to their podcast and I I consume all this content, but but started with the heal documentary, so it's really beautiful um, what you shared with the world. It was meant to be like a a 101, just like to turn on the light bulb that there is another way. We have more power than we've been led to believe. So to give people their power back and then it's like serving up a tray, whatever resonates with you, whichever speaker, whichever healer, whichever philosophy resonates, like, you know, you guys follow that path. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of roads in there. Yeah, I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sustained Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any suggestions for future topics, please reach out to us through our website or Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review if you enjoyed what you heard. Your support means the world. Thanks again for tuning in. We look forward to creating a more circular future together, imperfectly, but collectively.